Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. We've been in this series called No Other Name. We've talked about Jesus being the servant. Um, last week, we talked about Jesus, the teacher. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus, the healer. Jesus, the healer. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down somewhere. If I could title the message this morning, it's simply this. Get up, pick up, and walk. Come on, somebody say, get up. Say, pick up. Say, walk. Mm -mm. John chapter 5, starting with verse 1. The Bible says, after this, a Jewish festival took place. Um, this, we believe, was Passover. Uh, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Some scholars believe this was his second Passover to celebrate um, when he started his ministry. So after this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the sick, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Now, I want you to stop right there. Bethesda. Interesting, when you do a word study on Bethesda, it means house of healing. It means house of mercy. Beth literally means house. If you know Bethel, El is another name for Elohim, which means God, house of God. So Bethesda, this is a house of healing or a, or a house of mercy. I thought that this represented the church. When I read this again and studied it this week, and I prayed this over you and over me, I prayed this over our church, that we would be a house of healing, uh, that we would be a, a, a house of mercy. I, I want you to know, and it's important that you hear this from me, that your pastor is convinced that the church was never meant to be a museum for perfect people, but a hospital for broken people. Bethesda says something about the nature and the mission of the church. Bethesda, it reminds me of who we are and what God has called us to. It's a house of healing. It's a house of mercy. I want you to know that mercy came to you free of charge. It cost you nothing, but it cost heaven everything. Can I have a better amen? And so what is our response once we've received mercy? Freely have we received, so freely we Give. I, I pray that when people walk through these doors, that they sense mercy, that we are merciful, I, that we recognize how God's mercy has come to us. We've been recipients of that mercy. And so we're quick not to judge, not to criticize, not to condemn, but we're quick to offer mercy. Well, I tell you, I think I could preach a whole message just on mercy. In fact, I remember I read recently this story. One Sunday morning, an older gentleman entered a community church for worship service. He wore old, tattered clothes and worn-out shoes. He was unshaven. He, he just wasn't very well kept. No one spoke to him, so he sat in the back. As church ended, he filed out with the other members where the pastor was shaking hands with everyone. As he passed by, the pastor asked to speak with him. The pastor said, sir, you may have noticed that our members are dressed well. 
We pride ourselves as a well-groomed congregation. If you plan to join us next Sunday, you might want to ask God about our dress code. So the man said he would. The following Sunday, <laughs> the following Sunday, he came to church wearing the same tattered clothes, shoes that were worn out, and he hadn't shaved. Just like before, nobody spoke to him. He sat in the back row just like the previous week. As the service ended, the pastor caught him and said, Excuse me, I, I thought we agreed that if you were to return to our church, that you would ask God about our dress code. The man said, Well, I did. The pastor said, Well, what did God tell you? The man said, God said he had no idea what your dress code was because he's never been in this church before. Can I have a better amen? I love that. I just think Jesus identifies with the hurting. Jesus identifies with those who are struggling. And I'm so thankful to be a part of a house that's called Bethesda, a house of healing, a house of mercy. And the Bible says that in, in this pool called Bethesda, there were sick, there were blind, those who were lame and paralyzed, they all gathered there. And look at what it says. They were waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and would stir the waters up. Then the first one who got in after the waters had been stirred up, they recovered from whatever ailment they had. Now, some of your Bibles don't have that verse in it. So, I don't know if you're reading along, but some translators, they skip that or they omit that verse um, because they simply believe that that bubbling up of the water was a, was a spring that bubbled every year. Others, in fact, do believe that an angel of the Lord would trouble the water. Some scholars believe that angel was Jesus himself. But I wanted to give some context if you see that verse 4 was skipped. But look at what it says, verse 5. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. 38 years he battled the same sickness. Now, John's gospel doesn't tell us what that sickness was. Some people think he was crippled. Some people think he was lame. There was some sort of sickness or ailment that he had carried in his body for 38 consecutive years. And when Jesus saw him, look at verse 6. This is important. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now, when I read that again this week, I almost chuckled. I thought, really, Jesus? I mean, how many thinks that that question is kind of obvious? I mean, come on. It's like Captain Obvious. Hey, you want to get better? Wait a second. He's been there day after day after day. And yet Jesus has the audacity to ask him, do you want to get well? I thought about it. What does a, a, a man who lays on a mat, I don't know if you can see this mat that I have up here. I got this nice kind of aqua green. Baby, what color is this? What is it? Teal. Fellas, how many of you did not know that this was teal? Yes, good. I'm not alone. So I got this teal Matt, so you could see. I, I begin to wonder, what does it look like to be on a mat of sickness for 38 consecutive years? How many of you have been sick for maybe three days? 
Anybody get miserable after the third day? Anybody get a little stir crazy and you start driving everybody else crazy? You get cabin fever. I got to get out of this place. Lord, I just, it's the same old, same old, same. What does life look like for a man who'd been sick for third, not, not three days, not three months, but for 38 years? How many of you know this man has no options whatsoever? His world has been reduced to a three-by-six mat. The four corners of this mat frame up the reality of his life. I want to put you on the mat just for a second. Because I think I'm talking to some people today, you've got mats. And I don't know what your mat is. Maybe it's not physical sickness. Maybe it's emotional sickness. I'm going to tell you this. When you look at the same thing day after day after day for 38 consecutive years, that physical sickness will wear on your mind. You know, and some of you know people, some, maybe you're here today and you've battled physical sickness and you know how it has mental and emotional impacts. When your body is sick and you just can't get better, then your mind begins to be discouraged and your emotions drop. So it's not just a physical body that's confined to a mat, but it's emotions, it's feelings, it's, it's mentalities, it's frustrations. Think about this. Every single day is the same. It's the same. Tuesday is the same as Monday, which was the same as the previous Thursday, which is the same as the previous month, which for 38 years, the same frustrations, the same habits, come on, the the, the same sickness, the, the same circumstances, a feeling of helplessness. And Jesus sees this man on a mat and says, do you want to get better? Let me tell you this. Physical sickness has mental and emotional implications. And when Jesus said, do you want to get better? When, do you want to be made well? You know what that word well in the Greek means? It means completely whole. It means mind, body, soul, and strength. The first thing I want you to know is this, and I want you to jot this down because I think this is important, that Jesus, he wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. He wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. And I don't know what your hurt is, and I don't know what mat that you're confined to. I don't know what you brought into this place today, but the the question that God asked this man after 38 years of sickness is the same question that he asked you and me. Do you want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? You see, Jesus is the representation of of healing and stands before this man and really offers something that this man doesn't even understand. I can heal you physically. I can heal you mentally. I can touch your emotions. I can touch your spirit. I can heal you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Can I have a better amen? You see, God wants to heal us everywhere we hurt. Now, it's interesting that verse 6, the Bible says, I want to go back to this and see, see how this plays out. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there for a long time, he said to him, notice the three things that are happening. Jesus saw him, Jesus knew him, and Jesus said to him. I want you to know this when it comes to your pain. Jesus sees your pain, he knows your pain, and he speaks to your pain. 
Jesus is a healer, and he sees it. In fact, the Bible says that this man had been sick for 38 years. Now, history tells us most scholars believe that Jesus at this time was 31 years old. So think about this. The man had been sick for 38 years. Jesus' time on earth was 31. Do the math. It's almost like seven years up in heaven, Jesus is talking to God about this man. Jesus, in his mind, he's thinking, I saw you on that mat before I ever came to earth. And now Jesus is face to face with the man on the mat and says, do you want to get better? Jesus saw him, Jesus knew him, and Jesus spoke directly to him. And I think that will encourage some people today because you're, you're in pain. You've been hurting for a long time, and you think nobody sees, nobody knows, and nobody cares. Tell you, this verse says Jesus sees. It says Jesus knows, Jesus cares, and he wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. Not just your physical ailment. He wants to touch your mind. He wants to touch your spirit. He wants to touch your emotions. He wants to heal you from the inside out. Oh, if if this man only knew who was standing in front of him had no idea. Do you want to be made well? Look at what it says. And, and, And this is what I love about your heart as a church. Because we're committed. I mean, think about it. A healing place for a hurting world. A healing place for a hurting world. If there's ever a church that believes in the healing power of Jesus, it better be this one. I believe that Jesus heals us and touches our physical bodies. How many of you believe that? That he can touch the sickness that our bodies carry. I believe Jesus can heal our relationships. I think he can heal marriages, those that are on the rocks and feel like they have no hope. I think Jesus can place hope inside of a hopeless marriage. I think Jesus can heal those who struggle with addictions, those who have life-controlling challenges. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's sexual immorality. But I believe this is a church that says we'll create an environment that if you're in bondage, Jesus can heal you and he can set you free. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that this morning. You know, I think about even the the difficult week we've had as a city. You know, many of you know that we, Thursday, we we were able to host a a funeral environment for Lieutenant Sean Anderson. And maybe some of you were a part of that. Maybe some of you knew him. Some of you didn't. But I want to tell you what a privilege it was for us as a spiritual family to be able to encourage this mom and these two children. He left two kids, a 14-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son. And so our heart was to minister to that family. But then to wrap our arms around a community. Do you believe that a city has a heart and a soul? I believe that the soul of this city has been hurting and fragmented for months, maybe even years, and that God in his sovereignty would put a spiritual family like HPC in this community for such a time as this, that we could not only minister to this mother and these two children, but we could encourage the the, the law enforcement family, but even beyond that, the heart and soul of Baton Rouge. And I want you to know that we believe in a Jesus that heals us. He heals bodies. He heals minds. He heals broken spirits and souls. Do you believe that? Jesus looked at this man and said, do you want to get better? Look at verse 7. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. 
But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Interesting how Jesus asked him a question that I think is kind of obvious. Do you want to be made well? Well, Lord, isn't that obvious? But notice the man doesn't say yes. What's even more surprising than the question is the answer. He doesn't say, yes, I want to get better. You know what he says? I have no one. Some translations, the New Living Translation, he says, sir, I can't. I don't have anyone. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Number two, if we're going to get better, we've got to eliminate excuses. Oh, come on now. Talk to me this morning. Sometimes our, 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 whatever our, our hurt or our heartache or our ailment, whatever that may be, sometimes we hold on to that and we set excuses of all the reasons why we can't get better. Well, I can't. Well, I don't have. Well, it just won't work for me. Can I tell you this? Don't give circumstances. Don't give pain. Don't give your hurt or your offense more power than God. No one can hinder the destiny on your life but you. Now, let me say that again because excuses are debilitating. Excuses empower our circumstances more than they empower the God within inside of us. But if we say, wait a second, wait a second, I am responsible for the destiny that God has on my life. No one can stop you but you. No one can hinder you but you. When you embrace a certain amount of responsibility, it says, okay, all right, what can I do to partner with what's in front of me? Sometimes we say this, you know, well, I believe in tithing, and I believe in financial breakthrough, but here's why it won't work for me. Or, uh, I believe that God can heal a marriage, but here's why it won't work for me. Or, I believe God wants to give me or, or wants to give people promotions, but here's why it won't work for me. Or, I believe in the favor of God and it works for other people, but here's why it won't work for me. Let me tell you something you are not an exception to the power of God. I, I think I need to say that again. You need to hear that in your spirit. Your life, your marriage, your children, your finances, your addiction is not the exception to the power of God. God's power is all-inclusive. Now, sometimes it's easy for us to acknowledge that in somebody else's life, but it's harder for us to embrace it for our own. This man on the mat was making excuses. I, 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 I can't even entertain the thought of being healed because I have no one. And Jesus is the one standing right in front of him. As long as we hide behind excuses, we will stay a slave to our sickness and our pain. And you know what I've discovered? Some people don't want to get out of their situation because it brings them attention. Sometimes we, we have rehearsed, we, we've rehearsed and we've nursed this thing for so long that we, our identity is tied to it. Sometimes self-pity will keep you on the mat. Self-pity will keep you addicted. Self-pity will keep you in bondage. Self-pity will keep you isolated. And if there's the potential of hope that walks into the room, sometimes it's difficult to let that thing go. Because now all of a sudden what you've identified, your, your identity has been challenged because an answer has come before you. One translation says that he had an infirmity. An infirmity is a weakness. Let me ask you this question. What weakness do you have in your life? 
whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional. What, what weakness do you have? What is the one thing you can't get free from but you'd like to change? If you can't identify that in your life, ask your spouse. <laughs> they could probably give you not just one but a list of things. Ask your close friends. If you can't identify that one or two things in your life, tell you what, the beautiful thing is this. God says, I'll give you strength, and I'll place it right in the middle of your weakness. Quit talking about your weakness. God's talking to you about his strength. Jesus said, do you want to get better? Do you want to be made whole? The man says, I can't. I don't have anyone. There's no one. And Jesus is probably thinking, wait a second, I am the one. Why do we prop ourselves up on so many other things and other people instead of just desperately cling to the Lord himself? Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I I love this. I love this. Look at what it says in verse 8. Here's the key verse. I think this is power. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat And walk on to the house. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and he started to take a walk. Now, notice this. Jesus asked a question that seems to be obvious. Do you want to get better? That surprises me. The man even more so surprises me by not saying yes, but creating an excuse. Do you see here? Jesus didn't even acknowledge the excuse. He didn't even acknowledge it. He didn't even say, you know, you really got a point there. It never never dawned on me that you didn't have help. Can I tell you this? Whatever excuse we give to God, he's never scratching his head thinking, you know, you got a point there. I never thought of that. Nothing has ever occurred to God. Can I have a better amen? amen? Nothing has ever dawned on him. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge the man's excuse, but he says, get up, pick up, and walk. You see, the man thought healing was in the water, but he didn't know that healing was standing right in front of him. He thought that the source of his healing was the water in front of him. He didn't realize that the source was standing right there before him. The third thing I want you to write down is this, number three, Jesus is the source of healing. You see, the man was hanging out by the pool because he thought he could find hope and help in the pool. Let me ask you this question. I wonder what pools we're hanging out at. Thinking, well, this will help me. Well, you know what? If I can just step into these waters, if I can just get into this circle of influence, if I can just move into this neighborhood, are there certain pools that sometimes we look to and God says, thank God for the pool, but that's not the source. Sometimes through sickness and pain, you know, we can't find help, and so we turn to things. We turn to destructive things. Sometimes we turn to drugs. We turn to alcohol. We turn to to unhealthy relationships, and we hang around the pools of addiction, and our source for help is not in that pool. The source is not in that water. Jesus, in fact, if you'll read in John chapter 7 on that great day, on the the, the climax of that festival, he says, if any man will come after me, he says, I'm telling you, there is a river. I'm not talking about a pool now, but out of your belly shall flow rivers. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, sometimes we'll turn to things we think that'll help us. And God says, there's no help in that. Turn to me. Quit looking to other people to give you something 
that only God can give. Jesus is the source. Are you catching this? And, and this is a doctor that doesn't just treat the symptoms. He's getting right to the root of this thing. You see, you, he, the, the man was looking for some sort of medicine. And God says, no, 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 I'm not trying to write a prescription. I am the answer. I'm not just treating the symptom of your problem. I'm speaking right to the source of it. You see, 38 years of that bubbling brook did absolutely nothing for the man on the mat. But one word from Jesus changed everything. 38 years of that bubbling water did zero. The man stuck on a mat. His world had been reduced to three by six, and he's thinking that his answer is in that water. And if I can just get to that water, that water did nothing to you for 38 years. But along comes a man, and he says one thing. He, sa he gives him one statement. And one, I'm telling you this, one word from God can change everything. Listen, don't put your hope in the media. Don't put your hope in the White House. Don't put your hope in politics. Don't put your hope in government. You put your hope in Jesus because there's a word from heaven that can change your life forever. Come on, can I get a better amen this morning? One word from Jesus can change everything. And Jesus looks at that man and says, get up. Come on, somebody say, get up. Get up. Say, get up. Get up. You know what I love about Jesus? He's not going to tell you to do something and then not give you the strength to do it. Now, look, it's impossible. It was impossible. I don't know what was wrong with the man's legs. I don't know what kind of sickness held him to that mat. But anybody else that would talk to him and say, get up, would mean nothing. But when Jesus tells you to do something, he'll give you everything you need to do it. And I don't know what impossibility stands in front of you, but when Jesus speaks to that impossibility, you hold on to that word. Jesus will give you everything you need. I thought about that. Get up. You know what he's telling that man? Now, he's not just telling him get up physically, but he's saying, hey, pick your mind up. Pick your spirit up. Pick your attitude up. That sickness held him down. And then his, his emotions and his thoughts and his attitude, all of it was nailed to that mat. And when Jesus said, get up, he wasn't just bringing strength to his legs. He was saying, pick up how you think. Pick up how you act. Pick up your perspective. Pick up your hope. It's time for some of you to dust off the disappointment and pick up the hope in your life. Jesus will give you what you need to do what he's telling you to do. Come on, somebody say, get up. Get up. Somebody say, pick up. Get up. I love this because the man, the man, in my mind, I see this happening. I, it's amazing. You know, the man gives excuses. Lord, I can't. We didn't say, Lord, he didn't recognize him. He didn't know who he was. He said, I can't. I have no one. And Jesus says, get up. And, you know, something, that, that man started moving muscles and ligaments and tendons and I'm telling you the, the, the physical structure of his body he was moving for the first time in a brand new way that he hadn't moved in 38 years almost four decades and things are changing in his body physically and God says not only do I need you to get up he says I want you to pick up this mat think about it now now let, let me ask you this if, if Jesus were, think about it, you being on that mat for 38 years. How many of you know this mat represents pain? But there's nothing in me that wants to take this thing along for the ride. Listen, you have held me long enough. And Jesus said, yes, that mat has held you long enough. Now I want you to hold it. 
You see, it has confined you, but now I've given you authority. Now you pick up this mat. Lord, why would I want to take this with me? It's a reminder of all the pain and the shame and the disappointment. And God says, no, this mat is a testimony. Every time you look at this mat, may it be a reminder of the hope that I've given you this day. And when people ask you about your mat, don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. There's no guilt and condemnation over your past. This mat simply is a tool for you to tell your story. Because you overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of your testimony. You see, this test now has become your testimony. Come on, somebody. This mess has now become your message. You see, some of you have been struggling in addiction, and God says, I want to set you free. Now you've got a story to tell. Some of you have been hurt by relationships, and God says, I want to heal you, so now you can have a story to tell. What do you think? What do you think? The, the, the people that see him, now, now he's at the pool of Bethesda, and they're sick, and they're paralyzed, and they're blind, and they're lame, and they see him with that mat. What do you think that man's going to say? Listen, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. If he did it for me, well, of course he can do it for you. This mat of shame becomes a mat of hope, and it's his story to tell. Listen, don't apologize for your past. You've got a story to tell. Somebody say, get up. Somebody say, pick up. Somebody say walk. And let me tell you, he was walking. Look, he's not just staying where he once was. But the grace of God was able to move him forward. You know, that's what grace does. Grace empowers you to, to, to leave your past and to move into your future. Now, don't forget, this mat's coming with you. Because lest you get puffed up and proud, lest you begin to take credit for something God did, I'm telling you, one of the most dangerous things for us to do as a church is to say, look at Healing Place. Look how amazing we are. Look at what we get to do. And God says, no, 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 HPC, you got a mat. Never forget where you came from. Don't forget what I did in your life because this is not about you. It's about me. So if you're going to brag about anything, if you're going to boast about anything, you boast on the cross of Jesus Christ. You stay holy, you stay humble, and you stay all about him. Can I have a good amen? Oh, I, love, I just feel there's healing in this house today. I just feel like there's help in this house today. I feel like there's hope for people in this house today. He said, get up. He said, pick up. And he said, walk. Now, there's a couple of verses. I want to ask the band to come up because we want to pray for people. We want to pray for people. There's a couple of verses, verses 10 through 13. It's amazing to me. Jesus had a bad habit of healing people on the Sabbath. He just, I mean, he just, have you noticed that in Scripture? He just had a bad habit of healing people on the Sabbath. I mean, Lord, don't you know what day it is? You can't heal on the Sabbath. All the religious leaders frowned, and they were so upset that Jesus would work. The man can't carry the mat on the Sabbath because carrying is work, so everybody's breaking the law. I want to tell you, that just shows you how ridiculous a religious spirit is. A religious spirit makes no sense. A religious spirit can't celebrate anything that God does. There'll be people that'll look at your life and the favor of God is on your life and they can't celebrate it. And people look at this church and they can't celebrate what God's doing in this church because of a religious spirit. Don't let a religious spirit creep in. 
But look at what he tells the man in verse 14. I want to end this way. But afterwards, Jesus found this man in the temple, and he told him this. Now you are well. Now. We're talking about now. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Now, let me tell you something about this because I think this verse can be confused. This is a verse that a lot of times people say, well, apparently the man was in sin and his sin was what created his sickness. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But please hear me, beloved, hear me. Don't attach sickness. Well, if somebody's sick in their body, then well, they, they must have had sin in their life that triggered that. Or somebody's prayed for a healing and they haven't been healed, so apparently there's sin that's holding back their faith. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Now, obviously, we know that based on the fall of Adam and Eve, we live in a fallen world, and sickness is a result of that fall. But Jesus is coming back to restore us to Eden. It's called heaven. There's coming a day where there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more dying. But Jesus said this. He said, stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. You know what Jesus is saying? There is something worse than physical sickness. Spiritual sickness is worse than physical sickness. And I felt like I need to say that to some people today. I need to encourage you, and I want you to leave with this thought. Number four, your spirit is priority. Your spirit is priority. Jesus healed this man's body, but I want you to see how he was more concerned with this man's soul. He says, now listen, I've touched you in your body. Now honor me with it. You've had your healing. Now walk in holiness. You see, Jesus doesn't want to just heal part of you. He wants to heal all of you. Now consider this, and this is where I want to bring balance to what we're talking about, because it's not about manipulation. I'm not trying to hype or, you know, oh man, you know, I'm not that guy. I'm your pastor. I want to keep it real. But I want you to see how Every miracle Jesus performed, whether it was opening blinded eyes, whether it was healing crippled legs, even raising Lazarus from the dead, every physical healing that Jesus performed in the Bible, eventually those men and women got sick and they died of something else. Okay? I'm not trying to be depression, but I'm trying to keep it real. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but guess what? Lazarus isn't with us today. He eventually died. So as important as physical healing is, Jesus says, hey, prioritize your soul. Because God forbid that he brings healing to crippled legs, but your spirit is still dark. Are you with me? That's why he said, hey, listen, you've gotten your physical healing, and that's great. I'm not just worried about your time here on earth. I'm concerned about your eternity. Can I have a better amen? And I felt like maybe a good way for us to close this time together because some of you are sick, not in your body, but in your soul. Some of you, your spirit is suffering. And God says, hey, this is Bethesda. This is a house of mercy. This is a house of healing. God wants to heal you from the inside out. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org. Or give us a call at 225-753-2273.